TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome back to Sports Talk here on the Big 870. Mike Detaglia along with Charlie Long taking you to 8 o'clock tonight. And certainly the big news of the day, uh, the indictment with Alvin Kamara. This does not surprise me. Um, I know maybe caught some people by surprise, but I thought this would eventually happen. And Charlie, I think now the the plan is, what do you do next if you're the Saints? Because uh, you need multiple running backs now. We've uh, talked about it, Mike. Uh, I mean, over and over and over again. And yes. One first-round pick running back this year, and that's going to be Bajon Robinson, who's actually 11th overall on, on my draft board. But he's not going to be the 11th pick in the draft. He's Unless going to the Eagles a, use that 10th overall pick that they got from the Saints, and they just I, take. I'd a, be a surprised waiver. with that because they're not going to re-sign Miles Sanders. No, and they've had success picking backs a little bit later in the draft, like a lot of teams have. Sure. So I think with Robinson, he probably falls anywhere from, I would say, 18 to probably 25 mm-hmm. in round one. My big, that, that's not the question for me, is where the next group fall with a Jameer Gibbs from Alabama uh, in that group, uh, Devin A. Chain from Texas A&M, uh, Zach Sarbonnet, uh from UCLA, uh, Tajay Spears from Tulane, Tank Bigsby uh, from Auburn, who's who I think for Auburn they didn't give him the football enough. Uh, to be honest with you, I think he is a really good back. Roshan Johnson, who was part of the rotation also at Texas, uh, has to be looked at. That I think somewhere in rounds three, because I think some of that will fall back uh, just because of the devaluation. I remember when. Alvin came out. I had him going with the first pick in round two. Mm-hmm. He lasts into the third round. Yeah. I mean, it's the devaluation of the running back position, as you were saying. I, You know, you said a lot of those names. There are a couple guys there that I really like as prospects. I mean, it's, we've, a, it's a deep running back it is. class. We've really talked is. about it, too, that, I mean, off the air, that the Saints really should consider taking two running backs in this draft. Unless they have a guy that is on their radar as a veteran. I know Tony Pollard's going to get a new deal, but I don't know if you really want to pay someone that's coming off an injury like that. But I'm all for potentially drafting Tajay Spears and maybe Zach Charbonnet, if you can get both of them, because they're different types of backs. Zach Charbonnet's the bigger back, the, the more bruiser that's going to run up the gut. And then Tajay Spears, while he's not as big, he is electric on the outside. So I don't know, Mike. I like the idea of potentially drafting two running backs. I know we've talked about you know the depth on the lines is a real big issue. Yeah, but it is for me I, because it's hard to get 
those really quality defensive tackles later. And I think that's an area they got to look at uh, with either round one or very early in round two. They got to look at that defensive tackle position because I thought last year for the first time since uh, Nielsen took over, they had difficulties early in the season stopping the run. They really did. Uh, and it not got better as the season went along, and they got a pass rush uh, off the edge, and we saw the development of Carl Grandison. But you got to shore up that area. But running back, and I'm just thinking of a couple others. Uh, Zach Evans uh, was part of a rotation at Ole Miss. Right. Former TCU running back uh, Eric Gray from Oklahoma. Kendrick Miller from TCU. Uh, yeah, and so you got a lot of backs here, and you don't necessarily have to use – that late first round pick or early second. No, you can get that guy in rounds three right. or four. That, that's what you're, you're kind of hoping for. Is maybe you take a Hendon Hooker with pick twenty nine, or you draft that defensive tackle, defensive line with one of those first two picks. You have two picks in the top forty. That's what you got out of the Sean Payton trade. So what do you do at twenty nine? What do you do at forty? I think after forty is when you start to say, okay, now we got to start looking at running back. This, this is where we want to take Tajay. This is where we want to take Zach Charbonnet. This is where we want to take Kendrick A-chain. Miller. Yeah, A-Chain. If A-Chain falls to the third round, I mean, he's, he's a, we saw him play LSU. He was an electric prospect. The thing that's going to be – I think this draft class is pretty thick along the offensive line. So once you can start to see that run on offensive linemen, then everybody's going to want to grab one. The other thing, too, is it's not been thin at wide receiver early in the draft. They have numbers, but not maybe that top-flight type guy. Um, yeah, Jackson I, Smith and Jig was probably the closest thing he got to that. But I mean, I mean to me, uh, Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee. Yeah, he's really man. You're going to get him on the track, Charlie. He's going to win uh, the, the off-season Olympics, and that guy can run and make some big plays for you. I think it's almost because we've seen such stacked wide receiver classes the last it's few not, years. It's not that way it's this not, year. It's not. It, but, it's it's a little bit off. Now next year it'll bounce back. It's a much thicker year at wide receiver. But I think the running back core, because it is so thick, it may have some legs and kick that running back position back even a little bit farther. Because I think big men, um, I learned this years ago, uh, the Greeks settled this years ago. If you got a chance to pick a really big guy uh, who's talented or a really talented small guy, you go with the big guy. Right. And I think that that may push running backs you didn't think would fall into rounds three and four into rounds three and four. And I think you may see a quicker run on receivers because there's not as many. It's not as deep, right. So, I mean, if you look at the Saints picks, 29-40, we don't expect them to use the running back with either of those picks. But then you get to 71 if one of those, if one of those top guys that you're thinking is maybe like a top second round prospect falls out of the second round into the third round as a running back, that's a good spot to sp- scoop one up. Round four, one fifteen, maybe if you don't get that guy in the third round, that's the pick that you use on a running back. I feel like one of those two picks has got to be got to be a running back. Yeah, and I think you got to do it multiple. Either you sign a veteran free agent running back and you draft one or you draft two, one early and one late. It's got to be one of the two now because you got to fill that void. Who knows with Mark Ingram? Uh, you know, we may have seen the, the very last of him in a Saints uniform. And, you know, people bring up about uh, Benjamin. But, you know, okay, he was cut loose by two teams. That, that 
to me, he looked good against us. <laughs> he, yeah, he did look really he good when he was game. with the Cardinals. Uh, and then they picked him up, and he's flashed it a little bit. But he's always been that type runner, Charlie, where it's not consistent. It's been a, a bit of a bit in a flash. And why did two teams get rid of him? I like this text from uh, 8942. is going to be a star. He's like Alvin in many ways. Will he last till the third round, or should they reach and take him at 40? I would pick him in round three. I think he'll last. You got to hope that he, he lasts. A I think 71. he'll last. Um, I really do because again, I go back. That history sort of tells you that those running backs get kicked maybe ten, fifteen, he maybe really even twenty picks. Uh, so that's that's the one kind of thing and that makes you nervous. Another thing too, he can pass protect because I watch it. I watch it with him, and he's not the biggest cat in the world as far as a running back. The negative is going to be, I should say, concern for teams is he has surgically repaired knee, and they're going to take a long look at that. He's not a thickly built back, but neither was Alvin. Right. I mean, as far as that's concerned, but I think round three – Uh, especially early, is the spot, I think, for Tajay Spears. We'll be back with more sports talk here on the Big 870. And we'll have Marnie Snyder, author, also her grandfather, Leonard Toast, on the Philadelphia Eagles, and her mom, first female GM in the NFL. We'll have Marnie on right after this break here on the Big 870. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We're back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike Detail along with Charlie Long, Bobby J taking some time off, uh, some R&R uh, for Mardi Gras time. <laughs> I think he's going to California, so to speak. Uh, so uh, uh, Bob will be back, uh, I think, in 10 days. On our Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text line, we have Miss Marnie Schneider. Marnie uh, is an author, and she's wrote a, a book series, Game Day in the USA, uh, basically sort of teaching young children about and kids about the NFL and the game day experience and everything else that's involved with that. It's, 
it's become a TV game for, for so many people. They watch it at a, at a young age. Also, Marnie's involved in some charities uh, with the McDonald's house and uh, something her grandfather uh, got involved with in Philadelphia. So, Marnie, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Oh, well, thanks for having me. That was a great introduction. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, so I'll be doing uh, speeches that way, you know. I'm, yeah. Take it up a little bit there. Pretty good. Marty, we don't get a lot of people that their grandfather owned an NFL team on with. I got to admit, but your grandfather, Leonard Tose, owned the Philadelphia Eagles. And your mom, which a lot of people don't know, your mom, she was, uh, I think, the chief legal counsel at one time for the Eagles. But she became the first female general manager in the National Football League. So, you know, for most people, oh, Marty grew up, privileged lifestyle, everything else. That wasn't quite the case, right? Uh, You know, I mean, I would certainly say that uh, my lifestyle was a little bit different than other people. But I think that my mom and grandfather did a really good job of trying to, you know, keep me um, so that experiences were normal as best as possible and they definitely accomplished that goal. I, I don't think I grew up feeling like I was different than other people. Right. And, and some people do when they have money. So, I think so. I mean, uh, I, I, that's would, no qu- yeah. the question about that. I, I definitely would uh, not be flying in the front of the aircraft. Let's put it this way. I'd be <laughs> in the back towards the bathroom. Even on the, te- on the long you know, flights with the team, the coaches and, and the executives were all up in the front of the plane, and I was – in the way back with my, you know, Sony Walkman, which people might not even remember what that is, and a, a bag of batteries and a notepad. You, okay, you're telling really your how, age there, Marnie, yeah. with that Sony know, Walkman. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a little bit about it, the fact that, um, so you you lived in Philly for quite a while, correct? I did. I grew up in Philadelphia. Uh, okay. So I would consider Philadelphia my hometown, yes. Okay, but yeah, you, you're right. in North Carolina today. But uh, the situation with uh, – your grandfather was quite the character now. He really was. Uh, you, you know, his li- if this was on Lifestyle Movie, it wouldn't be just a one-night, a one-nighter. He, it'd be a couple of nights. Your grandfather had uh, quite a, a life with him. But one of the things he did and that really hit and changed the fortunes of Philadelphia football – he hired that college coach from California and Dick Vermeil, And what it did to that organization, uh, and I can remember when, you know, Dick Vermeil, his UCLA team, I think they were like a 16-point underdog against Ohio State, and they ended up beating him in a Rose Bowl and to watch – the old pops, old Woody Hayes, walk across that field. You weren't quite sure about Woody at that time because uh, he was a live wire with no insulation to go shake Dick Vermeule's hand. But your yeah. grandfather bringing him to Philly really ch- started the chain reaction of changing the fortunes of Philadelphia football. Oh, definitely. I think you know Coach Vermeule was a great addition to Philadelphia. He believed in people, and I think that that's what Philadelphia really needed. John Shira who was the quarterback for the um, Bruins for UCLA under coach Vermeil that won the Rose bowl. He brought him to Philadelphia and, you know, he played on special teams in Philly, but I think what coach Vermeil did and which is a, an amazing thing that coaches can do is connect and make people feel valuable and add value to the city and to the team. And that was what he did in a great way. 
and, and your grandfather wanted to win. I mean, you know, one of the things uh, Dick was on with us uh, a few months back, and he was like, you know, I think Mr. Toast thought this would, would come about a lot quicker than what it did. It was a bit of a process, but he said, you know, one thing I give him, he was patient with me. He let me retool this team. He let me bring in the type players that I needed to have that change, and it ended up, you know, kind of a us against the Cowboys world because Dallas was riding high at that point and he he was like we focused on doing everything we could to win the NFC East beat the Cowboys and you would figure for them to get to the Super Bowl who they had to go through Dallas yep yeah and that game that game really took a lot out of Philadelphia that was almost in some ways the Eagles Super Bowl but Coach Ramil, you know, tells this story way better than I can. But in 1980-81, he wrote up a game plan that said, get to the Super Bowl. And after the game and the Eagles lost and, you know, it wasn't their best outing. But uh, they said, Coach, what happened? You were a better team. You did this. You did that. And he said, yeah, you know what? At the beginning of the season, I wrote up a game plan and it said, get to the Super Bowl. And that game plan was flawed. And everybody said, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, I needed to say when. He didn't say when it would happen, though. Right. Well, no, the game plan needed to say win. Oh, win. W-I-N. I get you. I get you. And so, yeah, yeah, and, you know, and one thing with Dick, you knew it would probably be short thinking about it. You know, he was such an emotional guy, and and he was the first coach that I can remember, Marnie, that kind of had that saying of coaching burnout. Uh, We hear it a lot today, but he was the first that it happened to. Well, he was such a compulsive workaholic. I, I, you know, was a young girl, but I I do know that he would sleep in the office. I mean, they would, my grandfather would tell him, go home, like enough, you got to get out of here. He would sleep in the office, eat in the office, 20 hour days. And he really wanted to win. I mean, and and his players would say that if you could survive Dick Vermeule's training camp, you could do anything. And, you know, what's interesting is that so many of the, of the guys that played football under coach Vermeule, you know, after football became wildly successful and, and I'm sure that there's a, a direct correlation between his training camp and his uh, ability to really get the best out of people and then them transitioning from professional football into another career. Marnie, tell us the story about how your mom, and she was a legal counsel at that time, uh, how she became the first female GM in the National Football League. So, and you know, my mom, been, my mom was a businesswoman and was working for my grandfather and was going to law school and it, it was helping him doing you know, a bunch of legal work with his lawyers because when you own a team or when you're a professional, there's always legal stuff going on. My grandfather probably had more than others, um, but there was definitely <laughs> legal things and, um, you know, wives and businesses and who knows, whatever, you know, uh, so uh, the time came when my grandfather looked around and said, you know, basically that she was really the most qualified for the job. Not only was she uh, his daughter, and that was almost, you know, like a, a negative in many ways, but that she was a lawyer, she was smart, she was turning a hobby into a business. And, you know, that's what I think was so interesting. My mom and her career in, in professional sports is that she was she was really one of the first ones to take a business that was a hobby 
and make it into a real business. And Mike Freeman from Bleacher Report wrote about this about 10 years ago, that if you go back and you look at some of the things that my mom was doing uh, ten, you know, in 1982, 83, that's really how teams are run today. They were, you know, they were on AM radio. They went to FM radio. They were, you know, st- streamlining flights and doing things where they could really make money at the team, not just have a hobby. Marnie, I was going to really good at it. I was going to bring that up. Her blueprint of back early 80s is what's done today. It's exactly exactly what's done today. Uh, I I read the article Freeman had wrote on her, and and that's that's really amazing that, you know, she came up with a lot of those ideas that today is commonplace in the NFL. But back then, uh, not so much. Uh, It was sort of, we're going to do the same old, same old. But she sort of broke that format. Tell everybody a little bit about the the book series. And I know you're involved in in children, charities, and and things involved in in teaching the NFL to young children. But also, too, the story about the McDonald's house, because Leonard was involved with that. And and you've sort of taken over uh, to push that charity also. Yes, I definitely have. And it's really important to me. So uh, a couple things. Well, the book, my grandfather in 1974, when he owned the Philadelphia Eagles, a player on the team named Fred Hill, his daughter was diagnosed with leukemia. And then, you know, my grandfather being a philanthropic guy and also understanding that when your child is sick, you can't really do anything. You're just not thinking about anything and especially not playing professional football. So they started a charity called Eagles Fly for Leukemia. And then that transitioned, although Eagles Fly for Leukemia is still around, and it was up until a couple of years ago, kind of still the, the charity at the Eagles. Um, and then they uh, went from Eagles Fly for Leukemia. They met up with Dr. Audrey Evans, and she was the godmother of pediatric oncology. She was one of Kim's doctors, Kim Hill, Fred, and Fran's daughter. And so she said, what we really need is a place for families to stay while their kids are getting sick. And so my grandfather said, well, let's do that. And they reached out to the McDonald's Corporation and McDonald's said, we're in, let's do it. And so in 1974, my grandfather and Ray Kroc and uh, Jimmy Murray, who was the Eagles general manager, and um, Ed Renzi, who was the chairman of McDonald's at the time, uh, they opened up the very first Ronald McDonald House in Philadelphia in 1974. And so I'm very proud of that. And it's something that now I'm very involved with because I would not want to squander my family's involvement in what they did years ago. And it's also given me a great opportunity to um, have a lot of interaction with kids all over the United States. So while my mom was running the team and I was traveling around with her, we kind of wrote a bunch of stories and things like that as I was a young girl and didn't have an iPhone or an iPad because they didn't exist. So just started writing stories and it turned into football Freddy. And that was, you know, years and years and years ago. And a couple of years ago, my mom said, let's, let's check out that book series that we were, that you wrote, you know, on an airplane. And we looked at it and said, you know, this could be something and went to a publisher and they were like, yeah, we love it. So um, football Freddy and fumble the dog game day in the USA. We did our first book about Philadelphia and now we have, um, eight books in the series and we're just about to start something really special which is football freddy and fumble the dog game day in canton so we're going to chronicle um freddy and fumble the dog going to canton ohio and you know what that means that they're going to be visiting the pro football hall of fame so as a football fan this is a real special treat for me to get to work on until you posted the picture and i read a little bit about it you got to tell everybody about the princess diana jacket (laughs) 
the Eagles <laughs> jacket. Yeah. The Eagles jacket, it's so funny. It's really gotten so much attention lately. So um, a guy that worked for my grandfather at the Philadelphia Eagles, he was very good friends with the Kelly family, as in Grace Kelly. And um, Princess Grace died. And unfortunately, you know, she died way too early. But this gentleman, Jack, who went, um, went to the funeral and he worked for my grandfather. And he met Princess Diana there and they were talking and she is an English woman and not a football fan, certainly not a Philadelphia football fan, <laughs> but she likes the colors of eagle, you know, eagle colors of gray and silver. And so um, Jack Edelstein, the, the gentleman who met her, came back to my grandfather and said, I met Princess Diana. I want to send her some T-shirts. And my grandfather was like, you know, we can't just send her T-shirts. We have to do something special for her. She's the princess. So they made a special jacket for Princess Diana. And it turned out that, you know, she loved the jacket and she wore it. And I have a couple theories on the fact that, you know, certainly I think she liked it because somebody took some time to, to think of her and to do something thoughtful for her. But now that I'm thinking about it, I think that it might have been her way of um, – her little um, maverick rogue independence of like putting on a jacket that was so American, definitely not English, and wearing it around her kids and being photographed like as the, of um, of just being a little cheeky, I, I suppose. So, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Marty, I- I've never seen that picture until you posted it. I'd never seen that picture with her with the jacket on. She was in the, on the cover of People magazine, and she wore that. And jacket. she wore okay. Wow. Uh, yeah. See, I don't remember yeah. that, but uh, yeah, she really loved it. She wore it in a lot of different. Um, yeah, she and she chose to. The story about People magazine is that she chose to wear that jacket. So now, actually, um, uh, that you know, we don't know where the jacket currently is, but my fiance said, "Let's go um, tra- get that jacket and bring it to the Pro Football Hall of Fame because I feel like yeah." You know, He's right. He's like, that would be something that people would want to see, like the Eagles jacket that Princess Diana wore. So, uh, yeah, so we're going to see if we can figure out how to track that jacket down. You know, Megan and Harry might have it. Who knows? We'll find it. (laughs) Oh, the disappointment. Um, The Eagles came here to New Orleans and the Raiders were rolling and and got it done uh, and ended up with the the win in Super Bowl Sunday. And I remember – uh, sort of it was within hours the hostages released from Iran and everything else and tie that yellow ribbon and all this yep. other thing. But uh, the disappointment in getting to that big game, and then you see it again last Sunday. Uh, you get there, and, and you know for Saints fans, they've been the one, and they won that one. But when you get there and you lose, uh, it, it is a heart punch like nothing else. Especially when you're the, probably the better. I mean, the, the 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 Chiefs are a great team, so you can't really say better team. But I would say this: that it seemed like the Eagles had it all together this year to to win that game. Yeah. So that they didn't win the game was kind of a surprise. But you know, that's football. That's what professional sports. That's what we love about it. We love the we we love that. I mean, obviously, we don't love losing. No one likes losing. And it's not a but, series. Uh, like in baseball and basketball, nope. it's one game, winner take all. Yeah, it's one game. Yeah, people, you know, definitely reached out to me and were like, are you okay? I'm like, yes, I'm fine. It's, you know, definitely not the ideal scenario. But, you know, the Eagles are a great team, and they'll be back next year or the year after. And I think that they had an incredible run this year. So they've got great, you know, 
great a great owner and the best general manager I think in all of in all of professional sports and Howie Roseman and you know great coaches and great players look at Jalen Hurts I mean these guys are are so so great I mean but so I, is Pat Mahomes I'll, I'll to, always remember yeah. this is sort of vivid Jalen comes to Manning Passing Academy which is maybe 10 minutes from my home and mm-hmm. uh, he's working with Peyton Manning, uh, and you know Peyton's on him about Jalen, Jalen, put your feet down on a throw. Don't throw off your tippy toes. And he had a tendency to do that. I still see him from time to time do it. But how they worked with him and how he's become such a better passer in this league, he was always a great runner, always had that ability to run the football. But it's that vivid image of Peyton Manning working with him because those first uh, few throws were way high and Peyton was on him. Set your feet. Don't throw it off your tippy toes. And it's almost like it was ringing in my ear over and over. But that game – Against the Chiefs, that's the best I've seen Jalen throw the football as a professional player. He he really had a great game. Again, the fumble is what it happens. That happens in games, but he played magnificent in that game. He did, and he broke you know he broke a lot of records, including uh, I believe he's the first Alabama quarterback to ever score a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and they've had a few of them. Uh, I, yeah. I know Namath and Stabler win there for sure. Uh, but right. uh, well, they, Joe, yes, I mean they obviously stayed through, and they made and their players got touchdowns. But Jalen was the first one to actually get into the end zone in a Super Bowl. Uh, Marnie, tell everybody a little bit about how, if they are interested in the book, how they can get it. Oh, thank you. That is a great question. Uh, they can go to gamedayintheusa.com and uh, buy the books right there on our website, or they can go to Amazon, but, um, you know, Game Day in the USA, and click on whichever book or all of them. And right now we've got eight books that are available, Philadelphia, the Carolinas, uh, Atlanta, Chicago, Green Bay, Pittsburgh, Dallas-Fort Worth, and Tampa Bay. That's awesome. That's really great. Yeah, uh, thank you. Yeah. So uh, I'm very proud of them. I think that the, uh, it's a great way for kids to learn about football, to learn about friendship, to learn about travel, learn about the great things that happen in different football cities. And and uh, and I think that it's not just a, a kid's book. It's really I've been told that they're books for all ages. So the other yeah. thing, too, is thank you for what you do in your charity work, because you could. You could decide, I don't want to get involved with it. But you did uh, with the McDonald's house. And for people to get involved in that sort of thing, and a lot of times it's involving with children, and that nothing tugs at your heart uh, of a sick child. I mean, really, really does. And so thank you for what you do in, in that area because I think it's it's so important today for us to give back. Well, I think the giving back is really, truly the best way, certainly to reset yourself, but it really is the, the best way to, uh, for me at least, to kind of rid my mind of anything that might be frustrating or, or not positive. If I go and do something charitable, I always feel like, wow, that was just the best way to spend my time. So it definitely makes me feel really good to do things like that. And certainly going to the Ronald McDonald House and volunteering. And the Ronald McDonald House is really all about volunteers. They really, they've got a very bare bones um, staff and they really rely heavily. That was always from the beginning on the volunteers. So there's so many great ways. You can go and make meals for the families. You can go bake cookies for the families. You can go do so 
so many different things at the Ronald McDonald House just to kind of connect and feel that you're making a difference. And that's really what I think is a great way to reset yourself and get back just a little bit. So if anybody's interested, Game Day in the USA, you can uh, dial it in, gamedayintheusa.com. Marty's got a series of uh, books and one that'll be out, I guess, when uh, pretty soon on the Canton trip. So if you're interested, you can go online and do that. And so, Marty, thanks so much for joining us. So we don't have a lot of people that their grandpas owned an NFL team on Sports Talk. <laughs> so I appreciate you coming on. Anytime. Well, then, you know what? You can call me any if you have any questions or just need to make fun of, of certain things. I'm, I'm fair game. So call me anytime. I'm happy to, happy to join in. Thanks so much, Marnie. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, have a great night. You too, Marnie. Marnie Schneider, uh, author, GameDayInTheUSA.com, series of books teaching children about the NFL experience and about uh, getting along with people. And also Marnie's involved with uh, McDonald's House, uh, does a lot of great charity work. So we appreciate her coming on tonight. We'll have more here on Sports Talk on the Big 870 right after this break. Back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. want to thank Marty Schneider for coming on with us. We don't get a lot of granddaughters who's, um, you know, their pops, pops, so to speak, uh, owned a, an NFL or an NBA team. So I appreciate Marty coming on with us. On Fat Tuesday, party with the crew of WWL. We'll bring you Marty Gras Mambo wall-to-wall coverage of the greatest free show on Earth. Our WWL Mardi Gras coverage starts at 5 a.m. with Dave Cohen with our Carnival Preview. Then at 8 o'clock we go live to the heart of the party, the Blake Hotel on St. Charles Avenue, just steps away from Gallia Hall. Let the good times roll with Tommy Tucker and Linda Cassidy from our sister station, Magic 101.9, starting at 8. Then followed at 11 o'clock, New Norman and Scoop will bring you all the sights and sounds of Mardi Mardi Gras, the Marching Club, Zulu, and Rex experience Carnival 2023 with the crew of WWL. Starting with Dave's preview, then live from the greatest free show on earth from 8 o'clock until we can't go no more on WWL.com and our sister station, Magic 101.9. Live free on the Odyssey app, all brought to you by LCMC Health, keeping you well. We're going to finish it up here on Sports Talk right after this break on the Big 870. We're finishing up here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike Detail along with Charlie Long. So, Charlie, thanks for uh, filling in till 8 o'clock tonight with me here. And um, you got big news. Uh, one of the, the yeah, heavyweight Mike. champs got knocked out before March Madness. So, you know, March Madness is one of my favorite times of the year. If, if listeners want to know something about me, I, I fill out a bracket every single year. Maybe even a couple sometimes. I fill out two, maybe three if I'm feeling not very confident about my champion pick. But just after last night, the number one team, Alabama, lost at Tennessee. Yep. Tonight, the number three team, Purdue, went to Maryland and got spanked 68-54. to So they two top three teams have already lost in the last two days combined. We have this Houston and SMU game on. Houston's the number two team in the country. They're looking like they're going to handle SMU, but still, it's kind of a sign of things to come with March Madness coming up pretty soon. Man, I told you early on, it was close between Houston and SMU now, 70 50. They pulled away, and it was at one time a 20 point need. Uh, nods down to 12. Charlie, last night, I, the, the Lakers, that was the best I've ever seen them play all, all season long. Yeah, I mean, they, made, he, they made good moves at the trade deadline. So you got to give them credit. That, that was a beatdown of the Pelicans. 
defense last night. The Pelicans really were never in that game. No, I mean, really, they they made a nice push in the second quarter to get it down to but four. But the third quarter, half-time. what happened? They fell yeah. asleep again. Exactly. Uh, I don't know. the The offense just doesn't look very good right now. It, it just seems like. If you were watching the game last night, it seemed, it seemed like every time Brandon Ingram or CJ had the ball, they had to work really, really hard to get their look. And then on the other side, the Lakers are just getting easy buckets. It's, and, and on AD, man, listen, you got to give it to him. AD yeah. was he did what he had yeah. to do. Yeah, I know. I know. I'll never you give not, him credit. Yeah, Mike. you never give Anthony Davis credit, but you you had to last night. That even though. Bobby, who hates the Lakers, you got to say last night was an impressive performance. Yeah, they're five games below five hundred. They're they're the team to watch for, and maybe sneaking into the playing tournament though. So, thank you, Charlie. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll meet back up again next week. So, thank you for listening to Sports Talk here on the Big Eight Seventy. Had some great guests tonight. We really, really appreciate it. So, we'll be back with more Sports Talk tomorrow. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.